I want to share a few words this morning, shorter message this morning, just really off of the back of what we've just done together as a church family. I'm so excited at the moment about what God is doing. It feels like springtime. Now, naturally, it feels like springtime. Anybody enjoying the change of weather? Yeah, it feels like springtime naturally. And I was walking around my garden yesterday and I was seeing my laurel bushes that I planted last year beginning to break out and begin to develop new branches and and new parts and growths coming out of them. That's what happens in springtime. But I really believe that we've just come through a winter. You can call it COVID. You can call it lockdown. You can call it a number of things things and in that season we as a church we were pruned by God but what came out of that lockdown wasn't weak it was actually strong because I believe anything that happened in those 18 months that we lost was only that which we would call of the flesh. Everything that was of the spirit remained and actually strengthened. But we experienced in that season an element of pruning, but it was good pruning because whenever the father prunes, he prunes because you will be more fruitful. So we saw the pruning of God in the season that we've come from. But in this season, there's such an excitement in my heart and in the hearts of the leaders as a church, but also for your life, that God is doing something new. God is doing something fresh. I I see the growth, not just in Portsmouth, but in all of our congregations. All of our congregations are in great strength, got great momentum, and I can just feel the presence of God over all that we're doing. Now, I believe that God is doing something new. Now, often when we say God's doing something new, for him, he's doing something next, because God's not making it up as he goes along. He knows the end of a thing from the beginning thereof. So when we say, behold, God is doing a new thing, we could also say, behold, God is doing the next thing. God's bringing us from what we were into what we need to be. Now, we need to be a people, and I believe my role as as a senior leader, again, I'm not going anywhere, let me say that again, just in case somebody didn't hear it. Me and Gina and our family are still going to be in Portsmouth. Stuart and Carla and their family are still going to be in Portsmouth. But one of my roles in family church is to lead the whole. And when I'm praying, what I'm feeling is God saying, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, some things are about to happen and what we've done today is actually in response to that. If God's going to add to us quickly, we want to make sure we're strong enough that we've got the right people on the bus and the right people in the right seats so that when God does what he's doing next, we're ready and we're not playing catch up. Now, there's a great question in Isaiah chapter 43 where God says, I'm doing something, can you not perceive it? Now, I can perceive that God is doing something in this moment that's fantastic. I don't know if anyone else can, but I really do. And as I've spoken to the leaders, it says in Isaiah 43, some great wisdom here. It says in verse 18 to 19, forget the former things. Don't be held back by your past. Do not dwell on the past. Forget former things. Sometimes that's easier said than done. But I really believe that God's speaking to that over this church, but also individuals in the church today. Come on, it's time to forget former things. Do not dwell or live in your past. See, I do a new thing. Now it springs up. 
And then it says, do you not perceive it? He says, I'm going to be making ways in the wilderness, streams in the wasteland. Now, the word perceive means to become aware or conscious of something. So what God's saying is, behold, I'm doing something new or next or fresh with family church, with people in family church. Are you aware of it? Are you spiritually conscious that things are shifting in a good way. Now, we really believe that we are perceiving God is doing something new. That's why we've chosen this moment to make some significant movements in family church. Now, believing or believing that you're perceiving, there's a little bit of a rhyme coming on there, believing that you're perceiving leaves you with the responsibility to get ready for what you believe is coming. It's a cheap statement to go, well, I believe that God's doing something new and it's going to be dynamic and powerful, but yet not get your life or the ministry or the church family ready for what you believe he's doing, which means we need to operate in expectation of increase. If God says he's going to increase us, and I believe he really is, I believe our best days are right here, but we're coming into a season where we're going to see more people saved and more people discipled than we've ever seen before. Because the world platform is shaking. People want to know what's real. People want to know what's stable. We've got the answer. We're not going to be quiet. We're evangelists. That's what we do. So we understand that God's about to grow us so that we need to get ready for the increase that's coming. It's like when somebody says to a pregnant woman, you're gonna have a child. The woman, without even seeing any difference of shape in her body, begins to prepare for the increase that she's been told is coming. In the same way, God is speaking to our hearts and saying, I'm about to move again. I'm about to do something powerful and it's gonna involve the unsaved becoming saved people being discipled. So we need to be like a pregnant woman and say, okay, well, let's get the house ready then. The moment somebody finds out they're expecting a child, they get the house ready for the child that's coming. We're going to get the house ready, Family Church Portsmouth, for all the kids that are coming. Amen. Now, I love this um, story when you read of it in, in Isaiah. We read from Isaiah 43. But if you skip over to Isaiah 54, there's this incredible account where God says to someone that's comparable to a barren woman, oh, you need to sing. Now, imagine that if somebody couldn't have a child naturally, they were barren naturally, and they went to the doctor and the doctor said, oh, you're barren. That's okay. All you need to do is sing and shout for joy. Now, you would look at the doctor like, are you for real? But yet this is what God says to a situation that seemed barren. Don't look at your barrenness. Don't look at the moment you're in. Begin to sing a song of faith concerning what you're perceiving is coming next. I thought that was a good point anyway. It was terrible. I mean, there was no response. Zero. It just like hit the ground there like a fly being hit with hairspray. I mean, come on. God's saying to us, are you perceiving even in this moment that sometimes seemed barren over the last two years, 
but it's time to sing. Let me read these verses. It says in verse 1, Sing, barren woman, you who have never born a child. Burst into song. Shout for joy. You haven't labored because more will be the children, more of the children of a desolate woman than uh, the one who has a husband, says the Lord. But then it says this, and this ties in with what we've been doing together as a church family today. If you're visiting, hey, bit of an unusual uh, morning to visit us. This is a bit of a family service, but it's important. Hope you've enjoyed it anyway. But this is what we believe God's saying to us. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you are going to spread out to the right and to the left. And your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. We really believe that God's saying, don't live in the season that you've been in or you've come through. But begin to now, before the baby's born, sing a song of faith and operate in a way that you believe something new is coming. Because it's cheap to go, I believe God's going to do this, I believe God's going to do that. But now you're getting your life ready for it. Because, you know, there's many stories in the Bible. There's one story of a prophet that went to a widow. And I love this as an analogy. This prophet went to a widow, and she was desperate. She was about to sell her kids, and they were going to come and take her kids. I mean, it wasn't a case of them coming to take her plasma TV. They were coming for her sons. And the prophet turned up and said, no, God's going to do something miraculous here. You need to get ready. And he said, the prophet said to this woman, listen, you need to go and get containers. And uh, then close the door and watch what God does. So the lady went out and got containers. She borrowed buckets. She borrowed um, other things from neighbours. She came back into the house and she shut the door. And then you know the story. The prophet took this small little vial of oil and began to pour it. But the moment he began to pour it, it kept on pouring. Supernaturally, more oil kept coming out until every single bowl, every single um, bucket, every single bathtub was filled. And the moment the last bucket was filled, the oil stopped flowing. Now, I love that story, but something in me says she must have looked and said, if only I'd believed a little bit more and got a few more buckets. This is brilliant. But if only, if only I'd got eccentric, if only I'd ripped the bathtubs out of my neighbour's bathrooms, if only I'd rung one of those skip companies and said, come on, bring four skips, back them in, Charlie, put them there. If only I could have thought or imagined and got my life ready for what God could actually do. You see, here's the point I want to make. Stretching and preparation come before breakthrough and abundance. But God says, no, before the baby comes, sing. Sing songs of faith, sing songs of joy, get your life ready for what God's doing. So why are we doing what we're doing today? Because we believe that we're in a moment where God's about to start pouring again on the United Kingdom and around the world. And we sense God is on the move. In the words of C.S. Lewis and the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, Aslan is on the move. God is moving by his spirit across the United Kingdom. And I really believe there's going to be an incredible move of God's spirit with so many people saved and born again. So we can't just say we believe that and not have a structure 
that can contain it or a bucket that's big enough to hold what God's going to do. So in what we're doing today in these movements, we're getting bigger buckets, we're getting ready, we're getting positioned and we're saying, come on God, we're ready for what you want to do next. Now, the fact is that stretching always precedes increase. Think about it in the line of an athlete. An athlete, and I've done this a few times wrong, and I'm not an athlete. Before an athlete tries to increase their muscle, they stretch. And for years, I used to think, oh, that's rubbish. I don't need stretching. Until one day, I pulled something in my calf muscle, and I went, I was wrong. I'm going to stretch before I expect increase. Now, let's do this musically. If you're a guitar player, you don't buy guitar strings to be baggy. No one wants to hear that. Not even country and western supporters don't want to hear that. You buy a guitar string and then you stretch the guitar string. And when you stretch the guitar string, it releases its true tone and sound. That's a delight to the ear of the hearer. Again, let's go back to the pregnant lady. The pregnant lady, when she's told that a baby is coming, knows that there's going to be stretching in her life. She knows there's going to be stretching that comes before increase. Whenever God's doing something new, when he's birthing something new, he always causes a stretching before what he's doing comes to pass. Now, the bottom line is that some people respond to stretching differently. Some people love it. I do. I love change. Absolutely love it. Can't get enough of it. Love change. Other people hate change. But whether you love it or hate it, you've got to understand God is a God of change. And often he'll bring change before he's going to do something new and exciting. When we understand that stretching precedes abundance or growth, that's when we say, come on God, we're ready, let's be stretched. Now, there's something about the character of God that he doesn't want to leave us as we are. He brings us, Colossians uh, tells us that he brings us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. He positions us in his kingdom as righteous sons, blameless in his sight, forgiven, justified, all inherent, all done by him, not our performance. But God doesn't leave us there. He doesn't say, well, I've saved you, just stay on earth until you die and then come to heaven. No, God is committed to bringing us through seasons of stretch so that we discover what was in us that we never knew was there, but he always did because he packed us before we were born, like a suitcase on the railway station. Now, we need to understand that God will bring us as a church and you as an individual through seasons of stretch. Not because he's being cruel, but he's bringing you to a season of miracle and breakout. God wants us to be living in the miracle zone. Anyone believe that? I do. I have to. God wants us to live in the miracle zone. But the problem is often we choose to live in the comfort zone. Because the comfort zone is nice. It's comfortable. And sometimes the comfort zone was once our stretch zone. But we got used to doing what we're doing. Now God steps into our world and says, Hey, let me bring you out of the comfort zone into a zone called stretch zone so that I can bring you into miracle increase zone. But it's your choice. 
Abraham had a choice in the book of Genesis. Abraham was living in the comfort zone. He was old. He was living in his father's house. Um, He was happily married. He had a good job. He didn't need an adventure. He was getting on in age. But all of a sudden, God steps into Abraham's world and says, that's a nice comfortable life, but would you rather have an adventure? And Abraham says, this is nice, but if God's offering me an adventure, I've got to know what it is before I die. So Abraham chose to leave a comfort zone, everything he'd known, to step into a journey where he only had a compass bearing and not a map, because God had said, follow me and I'll show you the life that I actually intended for you to know. But it wasn't until Abraham left the comfort zone and dared to enter the stretch zone that he could encounter the miracle zone where he ended up with children that was his heart's desire, which was biologically impossible because of his age and the barrenness of his wife. Listen, we want to move from comfort to miracle. No, you've got to get ready to bring you through, God to bring you through a stretch zone. He's not doing it to be cruel. The gold is in the stretch. It's what he does in you. We love destinations. Um, I actually don't mind aeroplanes. I love aeroplanes. It must be a part of a grace on my life. Gina doesn't like aeroplanes. She cannot stand them. Me, when I'm like, aeroplane, love that. Sit down, catch up with myself, watch a movie. You know, uh, I can't go anywhere. I'm trapped in a chair. I love it. 11 hours, Australia, 20. Yeah, come on, let's do it. Gina's like, I hate planes. So speaking from Gina's perspective, Gina's ideal would be to supernaturally be in England, a click of the finger, and then she's in California for her daughter's wedding. How infuriating when you're sitting next to a plane fan like me, that's like, oh, where's the snacks? Where's the snacks? Oh, when's the Diet Coke coming? Hey, have you checked out that movie? Are you finished eating that? When you're next to someone annoying like me. But the bottom line is, you don't just end up at destinations, there's always a journey. Now, I don't mind air travel. When our kids were younger, it was a little bit more challenging. When we had five kids and they were all young, that was like a military manoeuvre. But your life is on a journey. Don't stay in the comfort zone when you're not meant to. When God is speaking promises and revealing his intentions over your life, for more, choose to step into that moment of stretch. I don't know what this, I was the same when I took on and planted family church, there were 12 people, Buckland Community Centre, 12 people and a cat. But I remember saying to Gina, I don't know what's going to happen, I'm no, I'm not, I, I can't do this, I'm not a church planter, I'm not, but it wasn't about me, it was what God could do in me if I said Yes. So I want to encourage you, this isn't just a message about our church family on a journey of coming into a a new moment with Sean and Paula. It's also about you. What's God saying to you? Come on, get up and follow me. Come on, get up and believe me in this. And you say, oh, I don't like a time of stretching. No, there has to be a time of stretching before there's a time of increase. Babies don't just come. Bodies are stretched and babies arrive. When God's birthing anything new in your life or in this church, there's going to be a moment of stretching. But when you understand the stretching, even Jesus on a cross was stretched out, wasn't he? That was a terrible moment of stretching. 
Yet it says of Jesus, for the joy that lay ahead of him, he endured, not enjoyed, endured the cross. Because when he was on the cross being stretched, he was seeing you and me in Portsmouth, loving God, in relationship with God. You've got to understand that stretches apart, comfort zones are real, stretch zones are real. But God brings you through wildernesses and times of stretching and moments that grow your faith and moments that make you do things when there's no evidence that what you're believing for is coming. Because we're people of faith. And faith is not a feeling. Faith is, I don't feel it, but I know that God has said this and he's in it. So maybe today you're in a moment where it feels like everything's pulling back. Often that's not a bad moment. Because you see, before a tsunami, the ocean pulls back. And you could assess the moment of the ocean pulling back as a moment of stretch or lack. But actually, it's getting ready to come in. Or pick a bow and an arrow. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of stretch to get an arrow and pull back a bow. And that could make you feel tense. But all of a sudden, after that moment, comes the thrust of the arrow. So if you're in a moment where you're feeling stretched, maybe you need to look at that moment differently. Now, if it's the devil doing the stretching, tell him to clear off in Jesus' name. If it's just a life stretch, we all have them. But I just sense God's doing something new on the earth in his church, but the church is not a building, the church is not a meeting, the church is people. Which means if God's stretching one, he's probably stretching a lot more. I want to encourage you. Don't choose the road of fear, but choose the road of faith. We're all heading somewhere at the moment. Stuart and Carla, me and Gina, even though we're all staying around Portsmouth Family Church at this time with our families. All of us are feeling transition, and we're not fully sure what the destination looks like. These two do, but we know that God's in it. So we say, Father, we believe that we've heard you. We perceive that you're moving. We in our hearts, we know that we know that we know that we're on the edge of something marvelous. So we enter into a time of stretch. We move what we need to move. We move who we need to move. Some step back, some step left, some step right, some come forward. We're not scared in family church to reshape some things. That's why we're still here 25 years later. It's because sometimes you have moments where you've got to say, this is a moment of God change. But if we respond to God and give him our yes again. You know, people often say to me and Gina, how long have you been doing this? Oh, 30 years walking with Jesus in ministry 30 years they said what does that look like I don't know I just keep saying yes I just keep saying yes would you go back to England yeah would you preach in the nation yeah would you open a family church yeah would you stick around for 25 years yeah listen I'm going to keep giving my yes until I see him face to face 
let's all keep giving him our yes. Not the yeses where we understand and it feels comfortable. Let's start saying yes to some scaries. Let's start saying yes to some moments where we say, we don't know how you're going to do this, God. But we know you will. Because when we look back, you were in all of those moments too. You'll be in this one and the ones to come. Listen, the most important yes that a person can make is whether you choose to receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour or reject Him. That yes will determine not just your experience of life because the experience of life of having God with you versus being in opposition to Him is two different ways of living. But also your eternity. See, the Bible says that a person must confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Lord of Lords. And if they do that, they can have an assurance, not just of God with them and in them in this life, but an eternity with him in heaven. Isn't it amazing that God did everything that needed to be done to save every human on the earth? But yet he left it to every human's choice. He stands at the door, as they say, and he knocks. Isn't that incredible? The God, the creator of the universe, the one that brought origin to all things, wouldn't violate a person's choice because he didn't want robots. He wanted sons and daughters. He didn't want people that had to be with him. He wanted people but wanted to be with him. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. Why don't you invite him into your heart today? Why don't you invite him into your life? Why don't you make him the Lord of your life today? Come on, we were all the Lord of our own lives, weren't we, for many years? That didn't work out too good, did it? Didn't for me. But that day I made him the Lord of my life. I didn't just believe in him in my head but I believed in him in my heart and I brought my life under his rule and reign and said, Jesus, would you come into my heart and cause me to be born anew, born afresh? Everything changed. So we're just going to pray as we end this morning, an exciting morning of change, an exciting morning of new beginnings, an exciting morning of repositionings. Let's just pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you that you left heaven, Jesus, to save humanity. You laid aside your crown of majesty to be born in a manger to seek and save those who were lost. Thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to do that for me. I believe you died on a cross for me. And in you I can receive a brand new life. I repent. I say sorry for my sin. And I say, save me, Jesus. Come into my life. And make everything brand new. Amen. Just my every eye's closed, every head's bowed. If you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer.
maybe you, you did once upon a time, but you walked away from God. You got lost in the uh, busyness of life and the distractions of life. But today you say, I want to make sure my life belongs to God. I'm going to count to three. And if you've never prayed that prayer or you want to bring your life back to God today, I'm going to ask you, it won't take long. I'm going to ask you if that's you when I count to three, just to lift your hand. One, two, three. Is there anyone today and you say, I need to give my life to Jesus? Put your hand up nice and, nice and high. So, hey, God bless you. I love that. God bless you. I see that hand lifted there. Is there a second person today and you say, I need to give my life to Jesus, Andy. I don't know why I didn't years ago. I need to do it right now. I need to give my life back to Jesus, God. Anybody? God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you. Takes a lot of courage. Thank you. Takes a lot of courage to do that. In a room that's filled with people, it takes a lot of courage. Is there a third person and you say, me too? Come on, start a journey today. Start a journey with God. Father, I pray for these two people that have lifted their hands and I pray today a brand new life experience would start. Holy Spirit, would you fill their lives with the presence of everything that you are and let their lives go in a higher and a better direction than they ever imagined. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.